You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Hello, and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live for the gymnasium inside the Ted Ginn Senior Academy in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm your old pal Sanders. And I'm your good buddy Liv. If you're keeping score at home, this is episode number 53, the Chocolate Thunder edition. All right, the Ted Ginn Senior Academy's got to be a scam, huh? <laughs> it's so funny because... Um, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of work. You know those meetings I go to in yeah. Starbucks that aren't really meetings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So about um, about a year and a half ago, I applied for a position of um, academic coordinator for this nonprofit foundation. Yep. And it, amongst the things I've gotten myself involved in, in my professional career the academic pursuits have really kind of been a passion you know i taught sports management for a while i taught um at gibbs college um for a year i was involved in student advising like i really kind of had a passion for it this is the group of people who really just were trying to wrangle your knowledge right correct and they did (laughs) and they wrangled and they wrangled and the more i tried to get it out the more they kept pulling me back in so much so that i was actually able to get them state funding for this um for this scholastic recruitment program that they run which is essentially they take kids from um, inner city, uh, disadvantaged neighborhoods, and uh, kids who show athletic promise. So, you know, your typical uh, cautionary tale. Star football player from a bad school who doesn't go anywhere because he doesn't have the foundation to, to build upon. And that's what Asbury Park is. It's, it's in New Jersey. They have these um, districts called the Abbott districts. And what they are... Um, I guess this is the case in most places, but property taxes in New Jersey fund the school districts. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what it is in most uh, places. Okay, all right. That's always one of the problems with Louisiana schools, though, is the crappy property tax base, they always say, because that's why most places like the rich towns have the good schools. Exactly. So People are paying higher property taxes. So Asbury Park is one of three cities uh, in the state that... Um, I don't know if this individual Abbott, I don't know if they sued the state because they were underfunding these districts or they sued the districts because they weren't giving enough of uh, the, the, the quality of education wasn't high enough. Yeah. It's Asbury Park, Newark, New Jersey, and Camden, New Jersey. Uh, Camden, New Jersey is like the the murder capital of the East Coast. That's near Philadelphia, right? That's, that's down. That side. Yep. And then Newark is is right across the river from New York City, yeah. and that in and of itself has its own problems. Camden is the hometown of Dewan Wagner, if I'm correct. Um, Milt Wagner's boy. Who's what? Who's boy? Dewan Milt Wagner, who played basketball oh. at Louisville, like in the '80s. I think. Yeah. 
and his son went to Memphis. Dewan Wagner oh, scored yeah, 100 yeah. points a game in high school. Yes. Yeah, and he went down to Calipari, and then he was a lottery pick of the Cavaliers, but he never did anything yes. in the NBA. Yep. Yeah. Tough schools, tough neighborhoods, the whole deal. Asbury Park is one of these three districts that are state-funded. Because of okay. the because of the Abbott lawsuit, uh, the J- New Jersey Supreme Court came down and said, "Listen, if there aren't uh, sufficient funds to educate the uh, to fund the public school system, the state's got to step in and do something about it." Luckily for the state, there's only three of these. Unluckily for for me, I live in one of them. Um, it's good for me; my property taxes stay low because everything yeah. else is state funded. But um, so this foundation is really, it's got its heart in the right place. And it's helped a couple kids get to college. Problem is, this guy, like, he's, he's kind of uh, all heart, no head kind of, kind of deal. A like, right spot, yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's not particularly savvy. He's not particularly sophisticated. You know, he he doesn't like to speak in public, so he, he lets other people speak for him, um, and that gets him in trouble. He's not a huge planner. He understands his deficiencies, so he lets other people kind of step in and take charge of areas they shouldn't take charge of, and it just ca- caused the whole problem, the logistical component of the problem, to kind of deteriorate. Um, but I was able to get them uh, state funding. To yeah. run their program, which is awesome. Uh, the problem is it's a nonprofit program. He doesn't understand that he's not going to become a rich man from this. Yeah. You know, he kind of envisions this being like an IMG academy. Okay. And the population that it's serving couldn't be further from that. I mean, there's a problem with anybody who's in the nonprofit business hoping to become wealthy off of it. Exactly. To begin with. Exactly. Um, I'm not sure how we how we started. Oh, the Ted Ginn Academy. So yes, um, that's what I'm watching kind of unfold. Is is this nonprofit foundation, which looks awesome on its surface, start to unfold, and you kind of get to see the underbelly of it, and it's got all the makings of a scam. Yeah. Now I'm involved in it, and 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 I wouldn't be involved in it if if it was a scam. Um, so they say all the right things, and they try to do all the right things, but the actual impact they're having is is minimal to a guy like me. But I'm also not from that area. I'm I'm not from an underprivileged home. You know, I'm yeah. not worried about gangs. You know, stray bullets coming through my living room. So like maybe. T- to that community, it does have a major impact. If it's if it's anything except gangs, it's a positive influence. So yeah, um, so I kind of see the I kind of see both Wait, so sides affiliated with Ted Ginn Senior. No, 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 no. But it's got that same vibe. Oh, okay, okay. You know, and I watched the um, ESPN had a story. Um, ESPN had a story uh, about Cardell Jones today. Um, yeah, you know, kind of about his upbringing. The Ted did he Ginn, go to the Ted Ginn? He did go to the Ted Ginn Academy. Yeah, I know he's from Cleveland. Yep. Yeah. And they did a little. They highlighted the Ted Ginn, um, you know, Academy students and and the campus. And I just I'm always very very hesitant, which is 
which is it's gonna be weird when I say it coming coming from somebody with my background, but you know, kind of that 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 regimented educational component, you know, where the kids are standing up and they're doing a synchronized clap and they're yeah they got know, a lot of these schools like that here now with the big charter school movement yeah, this the charter school movement now yeah, so they got certain you know these people come with their philosophy where everybody has to wear ties and walk down a straight line in the halls and all that type of stuff yeah and and i and i started every day every eight times a day i started my high school class by uh by reciting a prayer, yeah, for Saint John Baptist de La Salle. So uh, that it's, it sounds kind of weird that I would find Did you that say a prayer at the beginning of every class. Uh, Saint John Baptist de La Salle, to which the response was, uh, "Pray for us, uh, live Jesus in our hearts forever." I'm saying like if you went to you went to math class, you had to do that. Then you Co- go to English, you got to do that. Correct. That's weird. Correct. You started the day and every class with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I went to a Catholic school, but. You know, obviously we had a prayer every day, but we didn't, you know. Yeah, so. You didn't start every class with it. Of course, you also had to put AMDG at the top of every paper. You, every time you took a test, you'd have to put that at the top. What's AMDG? It means ad maiorum de glorium. It's the Jesuit slogan. Oh, okay. For, for the greater glory of God. And, yeah. and maybe because I did that, maybe because it was part of my routine, I kind of saw that it had very little practical impact into who I was, you know, at the end of the day. So I don't find value in the fact that these, you know, kids start, uh, you know, every, um, uh, what's it called when a speaker talks in front of the auditorium, every assembly with like an organized chant or, you know, some, some precision callback, like, uh, all right. You you got them to follow the rule. Is that the big accomplishment? You know? And yeah. other than, than, like, I knew nothing about the Ted Ginn Academy. The I, mean, I know I, its existence because of Ted Ginn himself, Ted Ginn Jr. Right. You know? So I had heard about it before, but I don't, but I don't know. I'm always leery of all those type of things, especially when it happens to be, oh, that the school kicks ass at all sports. Right. Like what are they? What's really their angle? Are they want? Do they want to teach all kids, or do they just want to teach kids that are awesome athletes? Right. You, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and I'd be a lot more impressed if the two most notable alumni now ran uh, Twitter and Amazon, not yeah. return punts. And yeah. I mean- that's like um, won a national championship. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like uh, Danny Werfel. You know Danny Werfel, is, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, Heisman Trophy winner, and he played for the Saints. Well, you know he's super religious. He started this school down in the hood, uh, you know, through his ministries, Desire Street Ministries. So then he had Desire Street Academy, I, and then of course that area all got wiped out by the flood. I think he moved. I think he's still in the state operating his school under Desire Street Ministries, but I think they're like in Baton Rouge now. And I'm sure they do great work and all religious, but they just happen to be awesome at football. Ever since he opened the school, they were 
awesome at football. Right, right, right. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm sure he's doing great work, but I'm just leery of it, you know. It's like we got 100 kids at the school, and, they, and friggin' we have enough of them that they're awesome at football. <laughs> yeah, that you, you definitely have to look at it with uh, with a bit of a crooked eye. And and as I'm watching the the press conference, um, it's I'm the guy who played three games and now is announcing that he's not going to the NFL this year. Right, right. And that. And in the back, you know, like the the guy who stands up and introduces. I don't know if you've seen the video um, or seen the news coverage, but it, it's. The, Everything I know is through Twitter. So they have it set up kind of in the middle of the gym, um, and there's a bunch of like hangers on, you know. Was he at the Ted Ginn Senior Academy when he made the announcement? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which kind of led people to think that he was going to declare. You know, he's yeah. he's at his high school, whatever. Um, Just and, like uh, when LeBron went to the boys' club to say he was going to Miami. Right. Right. <laughs> So the guy who gets up, I don't know if he was the principal or his pastor or, you know, whatever, and he gives this big, long, over-exaggerated speech and thanking committee members and thanking, you know, the the members of the clergy and thanking um, councilmen and basically thanking everybody for, yeah. for the success of this young man and blah, blah, blah. And um, then... Um, then Jones gets up and he's you know gives a a, a nice uh, impassioned brief and succinct um, statement that he's going to stay in school and education is the most important thing to him. I thought it was an awesome you know uh, awesome. That's speech. funny that he's saying that because you know what he's famous for. Yeah, uh, I didn't come here to play school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know he kind of alludes to that in the sense that. Um, that he says, listen, I've got a lot of work to do. You know, I've got a lot of work to do as a student. I've got a lot of work to do as a person. I've got a lot of work to do as a football player, uh, which is, you know, which is, I, I think, pretty good when most student athletes in that position are getting bad advice. They're getting bad guidance, you know, from. Well, that's the thing. The other side of it is, yes, maybe somebody's going to draft him, but I don't even know if he'll be a first round pick if you. Like, you got to be very desperate to draft him in the first round pick because that is a project. All you have is a book of three games. Yeah. You know, you're going to go from that to you're in the NFL now. It, you know, it's, it seems, uh, I mean, it seems like somebody smart spoke to him. Well, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, because it really was the only realistic decision that he had. Yeah, you know? because he, he would have been bound for failure if he came out this yeah. year. Just another yeah, cautionary tale. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because this is a, kind of an example of um, just how negative everybody's become. And, and media is no longer, uh, you know, a, a source of, uh, of information to be disseminated. It's, it's merely talking heads and commentary because yeah. – um, you and I were just talking, uh, before we started about, um, about how we might've come off a little negative, um, ripping Rob Conrad. Yeah. And everybody's come out and been so positive and, uh. Except for this one writer who was on Deadspin. She had a whole thing like, what do we really know about the Conrad thing? <laughs> 
and she had this whole thing. I read it. It was the, it was like the day after that he gave that press conference or whatever. And she's right. like, everything we know is based on what he's told us. Right. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but you is, ha- you got to put a skeptical eye on stuff though, because y'all often they have stories like that, and it turns out it's a total scam. Which is true, um, but that's kind of what we've degenerated to, you know, as a yeah. society, especially as media, because the I don't know, there was about fifteen or so minutes of of uh, of um, delay between the announcement. Of the press conference, uh, between the start of the press conference and the announcement. So, yeah. I was supposed to start at 4, didn't start to 4.15. So, of course, ESPN is kind of, you know, filling in um, with... So, they had Mel Kuyper check it in. They had Mel Kuyper. They had, a, I don't know, some GM who, listen, Did in my Bill opinion... Bill Polian on there? No, it wasn't Bill Polian. It was... Uh, Deadspin has the name of the guy, and I forget... Uh, I forget who it was. Todd McShay? No, 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 no. Uh, I don't even remember who the guy was, but here's my take on uh, GMs who now are um, talking heads on ESPN. There's a reason you're a talking head on ESPN. Yeah, they say that, but Bill Polian could have been hired he, again. He He's the exception. He's yeah. the exception, as I like That's to say. That's what you're talking about. Like when you see these guys on there it's like well if they knew what they were doing why they get fired why they have this free time yeah exactly so um all these guys um are talking about how you know he's going to be a third round pick uh, at best and he's a project and here's why he won't succeed and blah 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 and it shows his immaturity because you know he didn't think he could stick around and compete for the for the starting job and um you know they're just basically going on to rip the guy yeah. and he announces that he's going to stay and they flip it right back to the studio and they go down that same list of talking heads and almost to a man they say, well, okay, I'm glad he's staying in school, but I mean, like, what's with this self, you know, this self-promotion and, and this grandstanding? Do we really need a, uh, do we really need a press conference, um, yeah. you know, to tell me that uh, you're staying in school and, like, it's a no-win situation, you know? Of course, and those people need to fill the air, so. Exactly, exactly. Um, let me see if uh, I can find... But back to that other thing I was talking about, how the skeptical story. Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem is you have stuff. Do you remember like back, like, what was it? Probably in the summer when they had the kid from USC who, you know, the story came out. Oh, he broke his ankles jumping off of a balcony to go save his cousin yeah. or whatever from drowning. Yes. And yes. then two days later, it was like, that's not what happened. It was a total bullshit story. Right. And that's why people are skeptical of everything, you know? Yep. Because of stuff like that, you know? Um, what? Um, there's been no, there's been no um, Coast Guard report or... or no, that's or the thing, the investigation. There's an investigation by the Florida, whatever, the Maritime, whatever. Uh, you know, Florida Fishing Game or whatever it is, you know? And then there's also the Coast Guard investigation, I guess. They did retrieve the boat from Grand Bahama or whatever. Oh, they you know? did? Yeah, because the boat was drifting towards the Bahamas. But they had within there, because the, the person that did, wrote the article, she talked to some people, I guess. It's like, 
one thing some guy said, he's like, he was some, you know, some kind of expert on, you know, fishing, boating, all that stuff, type of stuff. And he's like, more than anything, it just seems foolish, you know? He's like, this is an intelligent man. Why would you be out there by yourself? One, why would, A, why would you be out there by yourself? And B, why aren't you wearing a safety jacket on top of it, you know? Right, right. He's like, it's just totally foolish all around for an educated person to do that, you know? So, because, I mean, that is kind of ridiculous to me. What was the guy doing out there by himself, and then he's not wearing a life preserver on top of it? Yeah, it seemed odd to me that that he decided to go deep sea fishing by himself. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the day, but I'm not a guy who can be bringing the boat in for repair. Apparently, what happened? He was supposed to be bringing the boat from one place to another to have repairs done on it or something. Oh, all right. And in the middle of that, he was like, "Well, screw it, I'm going to go fishing." Oh, okay. But, but the guy's like, "Whenever you do fishing like that, like fishing like that, you always should have somebody with you." Yeah. Right. What if he catches something? Yeah. Well, that's the problem, and that's what. I think that's what the way the story goes is that something caught on, you know, and that's how he fell over, I guess. The one that got away. And even I have fallen over before, but luckily I had people there with me, you know, right? because, because that's the problem when you're doing big fishing like that, you know, you're talking about heavy, heavy things, you know, like, it's not like you're on a lake catching bass, you know? Right. So, I don't know. There's, it's an odd story. It's definitely, uh, I mean, for people to ask questions, I think it's completely fair. <laughs> yeah, considering there's there's not um, a, a lot of information. Yeah, well, know. that and that was the whole gist of it. It's like, what do we know? What do we know is all told by him. Like, you know, like it was like first people said they had hypothermia. There's no report of hypothermia in the police report. Oh, where did that come from? Oh, that came from his assistant who said that he had it or something. Because apparently whatever he does for a living, he has a, a personal assistant. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. So it's like the whole gist of it was we know this, but we don't really know anything right now. Well, that's going to be interesting. You know, for for his sake, and you know, I would say for our sake as as yeah. Orange faithful, uh, yeah. but I, the story I, I, we know is the story. Nobody might even care anymore by the time all that stuff comes out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which mean, would be even sadder than. Sorry. and the thing, and the and the gist of this lady's article, anyway, too, was like, the truth is, we'll probably never know the full story because. A lot of it's stuff that only he's he knows, you know. Right. It's it's impossible to verify whether he went out there. Maybe the you know I'm not gonna speculate, but you know, but I will throw out possible speculations. Maybe he was like fucking, and he had second thoughts, you know. Maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know what I was gonna say. Never mind. I mean, like that's the other thing the guy was saying. The, the person who is the expert, like, why would you put it on autopilot? Why wouldn't you moor the boat, you know, if you're sitting there and fishing, especially by yourself? You know? Yeah. Ah, it is a lot of, you know, it's, it's like, what the hell was going on, you know? Something must have been going through his mind to do all that shit. 
<laughs> yeah, weird, weird story. Yeah, I know. It's a very odd story. You know? um, he got hit in the head too many times because he's a football player, and everybody you think has it together ends up doing crazy shit. Yeah. Like Junior right. say, everybody thought that guy had it together. Boom. Or Dave Dewerson. He was on the board of trustees at Notre Dame or whatever, and he friggin' kills himself because he's fucked up in the head. You know? Listen, man, I'll tell you what, that, um, whether, whether you're being flippant or not, like, uh, I think that's probably something that, um, somebody should at least consider, you know, I'm not being honest. Like, it's like, I mean, he might've gone out there hoping to do harm to himself. I, I mean, I'm not, this isn't the record, but you never know, you know, and you know, maybe he got a second thoughts about it. Who knows? You yeah, know? listen, given the history of guys in in a similar position, like yeah. you mentioned, Dave Dewerson and, and, and Junior Seau, I don't think it's that unreasonable to think that that's a, that's a story. Well, and that's what I'm saying. These are people who were outwardly successful and seem to have adjusted well. Right. You know, especially Dewerson, you know. He'd been, like, Junior Seau was only retired for a couple of years. But Dewerson, like... He was on the fucking board at Notre Dame. Like, the guy obviously must have had his, or seemingly had his shit together. That's way more plausible. And I didn't read the Deadspin article, but I'm assuming that it, you know, it, 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 um, it casts some doubt on the authenticity of the events that he communicated. Yeah, that's what it's questioning. But of course, also, at the end of the day, they're like, we'll probably never know. uh, You know? But. I think it's it's way more plausible that he went out there, wanted to do, or, or or would have thought about doing some harm to himself, and it had a change of heart during the course of action than it is that you know he was only parked a mile off, let the boat go, you know, hung out in the water for a while, and then swam in, and you know was like, oh, I was out there for ten, 10 hours. Yep, I well, saw a shark. Speculate about it being related to him trying to do anything. You know, they don't. They're just saying, what do we know? I only thought about it because I was texting with Goldberg because he's like, oh, did you hear about it? You know, this is last week, you know, before the dead spin thing, before the press conference and all that, I guess the weekend before last. And I was like, yeah, you know. Uh, and I said to him, I was like, who knows? Maybe the guy went out there and wanted to call it off, you know, wanted to just friggin' end his life. And then friggin' was like, fuck it, what am I doing? This is crazy, you know? You never know. You never know. And so, you can't tell anybody that that's what happened to you. If it, if, no, especially that, if he had second thoughts, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I mean, we got to give the disclaimer. We're not saying this, but. <laughs> but there's such, you know, there's, there's just so many questions that need to be asked and answered. Yeah, and listen, I don't even think that I don't even think you need to give that big of a disclaimer because I don't think it's accusatory or you know, I don't think it's speculative. I think it's a legitimate question to say, yeah. "Hey, listen, is it unreasonable to think that a professional a former professional football player, regardless of his stature in present day, uh, found himself in a situation that you know, he used you know, questionable judgment and or may have thought about hurting himself, may have thought about, you know, inflicting uh, per, uh, bodily harm on himself and the situation either 
didn't happen the way he wanted it to, and or it got out of control, and or he had second thoughts. Yeah. I think that's a totally reasonable situation. I don't think you're you're stretching. I don't even think that like that that's blasphemy. You know, yeah. I think like, hey, listen, that's legit, man. And if that is, you know, if that's the case, if if other stories like this that just don't add up start, you know, get gaining, uh, you know, getting attention, uh, maybe it's something to look into, you know? Yeah. I mean, nothing for nothing. The fact that he was able to swim however far he swam is still an amazing feat. Seriously. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, I'd be dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would have just given up. Yep. Like right out of the boat. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You're like, oh, I'm fucked. Done. Then again, I never would have been in that situation anyway. <laughs> I always tow my boats to get fixed. I never drive them from the mechan- <laughs> from the dock to the mechanic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, he was supposed to be taken from where he has the boat, taken to a different marina or something. It was something like that, yeah. Uh, we'll find out, uh, or probably we won't find out what happened. Probably but, not. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully he's all right. What um, you got? Anything else good? Uh, um, on the real or not that I can think of really on the real. Um, you like that? I made that up. Yeah, I, I mean, up. we saw Donovan McNabb's tweet today. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so last when was it? A couple weeks ago, we were talking about malapropisms. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you sent me that McNabb tweet, which. I don't think was was an object of ridicule, right? You didn't it, it, the Deadspin story that you took it from just lifted it as an example, right? It wasn't like look at this atrocity. Deadspin well, they were looking. Deadspin was mocking it, I think. You know, they just put it on there, you know. But it was like, look at this. Isn't this kind of ridiculous? They had no commentary, but I think their point of it is like this is like kind of ridiculous, you know. From because what? for one, I think Deadspin's kind of against the whole idea of people telling people that they should go back to school, for one. Okay. You know? Wh- <laughs> which like, is fair. So, like, because I think they've posted other Donovan Dev stuff before because he does put up some stupid shit. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> and that's what I would say that this, this falls into the category of because, um, obviously, obviously we're ardent. McNabb supporters, but we were talking about um, misuse of of words and phrases uh, a couple weeks ago, and you sent this to me purely as an example of that. Yeah, I mean they weren't they weren't even poking fun at that idea, you know? Right. I think they're poking fun at everything he says before that, you know, like that's what they were focusing on. Okay, and. I still don't even know what it means because it makes such little sense. And and as we kind of were talking about it and you can kind of carve the parts of the statement apart, it kind of makes a little sense, but he uses he uses mixed tense. He yeah. uses he confuses pronouns and ends the whole thing with your biggest pet peeve of substituting the word loose 
Yes, because it's clear that the he word wants lose. To lose. So he says, with the decision ahead of us, of us, 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 Cardell Jones, I hope his decision will be go back to ins- go back to school to improve on my game. We seem to lose. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like Donovan needs to go back to school. You know how I read that though, which is what I think the Deadspin people might have been poking out. Like I told you in the text that he's like speaking as the representative of black quarterbacks. Which once you said that makes a little more sense. But here's the problem I have with Twitter is that just because you're limited to 140 characters does not excuse your misuse or underutilization of punctuation. That's my biggest pet peeve about people uh, who use Twitter. I can understand the... um, you know the um, the redacted yeah. uh, word patterns and speech patterns, but if you're going to say this, tell me. Well, I mean, what he's saying is this: he's saying Cardell Jones is a newer version of me. <laughs> well, well, here's how <laughs> and he needs to go back to school to get more practice so he can be as good as me. <laughs> That's what he's saying. I think. Well, here's how it right. Uh, I think what he's saying is, with the decision ahead of us, meaning us as the media or us as in college football fans, yes, from Cardell Jones, I hope his decision will be, quote, it should be a quote here, go back to school to improve on my game, unquote. Yeah, but that's very simple. I think what he's saying is Cardell Jones is very Donovan McNabb-like, and his game is basically my game, but he's not as good at... As I uh, as I was yet. Well, here's where because that's what Cardell Jones is. I mean, a obviously the the correlation that they're both black quarterbacks, and then they're both big, strong guys with big arms. You know, they do have very similar games. I think this is a very narcissistic so he, uh, tweet by Don. So you're reading. You're reading it to say, with the decision ahead of us from Cardell Jones, we agree on that, that he's talking about us as, yeah, as the media. Say, I hope his decision will be go back to school and improve on the things that I did well and improve upon the things that I were deficient in so that you can come out and have as good or better of a career as I did because as it stands now, we will lose. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, he says we seem to lose. Yes. We seem to lose what? We seem to lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think his pro. I think he thinks every like strong-armed black quarterback that has come out since him, you know, they. That a they come out too early, I guess. Like Robert Griffin the third, because stayed in school another year, right? Right. I think he was a junior. Michael Vick obviously came out early. You know, I I think I think he's saying these guys need to stay in school. He's like, I, he was there all four years. He's like, I set a standard, but there's further you can go. You know, but they're gonna keep failing if they keep leaving school early. You know, all these guys who are my heirs. Basically, interesting. Okay, you get, and I think he's saying that his game, Cardell Jones's game, is the same as Donovan Neb's game. 
too, you know? I but it, but but the larger scale he's talking about all of the of the strong armed uh black quarterbacks who are able to run, you know? Yeah. He's not including people like Russell Wilson because he's not the same category. But clearly he's saying he he's must be talking about black quarterbacks that he says we seem to lose. He's not talking about quarterbacks to come out early. Right, right. Yeah, you see, know? I think he I think he's speaking purely as a media member, purely as a as a as a fan of college football, saying that I hope his decision is and then he he's he's interjecting a quote of what he hopes Cardell Jones says, and it is that I'm going back to school to improve on my game. If he doesn't do that, we lose as college football fans. That's how I Well you're giving too much credit. Then, then I might be. I might quarterbacks, be. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks, by their basically what makes a quarterback a quarterback is kind of like your cockiness, right? You know. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I think he, I think he's saying, my interpretation. I like my interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course you do. Of course you do. Naturally. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know what the internet says about my interpretation. See what the commenters on Didspin say about it. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um. All right. So uh, what? Um. What I did. I like Dominic Neb too. I like Dominic Neb a lot, and I have to defend him so often. Like my dad was bringing it up again this weekend about how Dominic Neb never knew. Games in the NFL could end in a tie. Because you remember that yes, time? Yes, yes, That the game ended in a tie, and he was like, I never knew that could happen. <laughs> and that was it? That's what that's what threw your dad over the, uh, over the edge? Yeah, well, that guy, because he, he, he repeats the same shit over and over <laughs> again. You know, it's like, players don't even know the rules. Like that guy who, you know, like that guy that didn't know the games could end in a tie, I was going to end it, I'm like... Oh, it's like, well, it's not like he was playing it as if it was going to go on. He threw a Hail Mary at the end of that overtime period. Right, he didn't take a knee. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he didn't. Yes, he didn't take a knee expecting to go to the next period. He threw a Hail Mary. So, obviously, he thought there was some finale to it. And I was explaining to him, I was like, think about it. That guy's whole life, he played in football games where you couldn't have a tie. Because by the time he started playing in college... You know, like it was like my freshman year of college, they got rid of the tie. Right. You know? Right. So it's like his whole life, he probably never played in a tie game because in high school, you play until there's a winner. In college, for the last 20 years, you play until there's a winner. You know, now you get to the NFL and there's no winner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, I was like, I'm sure there were loads of players that probably didn't know the games could end in ties. <laughs> Because it's a rare thing to begin with. It's always an oddity when an NFL game ends at a tie. Like, who is it? Was it the Chiefs and the Panthers this season? No, it wasn't Bang- the Chiefs. Bengals. The uh, Bengals and the Panthers. <laughs> it's, it's always kind of like, it's kind of whimsical when it happens. Yeah. It happens you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, I'm going to continue to give him that credit i understand why you don't and i think that's probably a more realistic interpretation of it but um hey listen here's the uh, uh luckily for us 
that it's a 24-hour news cycle, and then right now somewhere, uh, some sports talk radio is dissecting that tweet um, and will vilify him for it, and he will have to answer for it in the future, and he will take a complete 180 on whatever his actual meaning was, and he'll deliver some type of sanitized PC version of what he meant. He's probably already deleted it for all of them. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I like one of the first, you know, as we run it, which seems basically unintelligible, one of the first comments on here. <laughs> he does, albeit inadvertently, make a very good argument for going back to school. <laughs> oh God. Um So I go to his uh I go to his Twitter account. He did not delete it and he followed it up with a bunch of, of uh of dribble yeah and praise for cardell good to see young man being smart and understanding how things work don't let other make your decision for you and then his last tweet of the day was a retweet of somebody um hoss from p-town at hoss from p-town uh tweeted yeah. at donovan j mcnab you are really a dumb bastard <laughs> oh here, here i love uh there's a commenter on dead spin why does everyone spell lose as loose? <laughs> and of course, there's a response. Maybe he chose the wrong two. So he's saying we seem too loose. <laughs> he was reaching for. <laughs> oh, God. Um, is he married? Yeah. He married a girl. What's, I think her last name was Nurse. She was on the. Um, she was on the uh, women's basketball team at Syracuse. Okay. Does he have any kids or anything? Uh, I don't know. I assume he must have had some kid, uh, at least one kid at this point, because he got married. It was when I was in Boston that he got married, because there was a girl who I knew who lived in Charlestown, who I used to see on the bus occasionally, and she was on the, she was on the, the SU basketball team. And the only reason I knew her because... Her brother was this hippie in ESF, and he was good buddies with my, uh, he lived in my dorm freshman year. Uh, his nickname was, he, he was a Matt, so he was big, tall, blonde Matt. Okay. Uh, and his sister, you know, they were from like the Albany area, and I remember talking to her on the bus, and she was telling me how she went to Donovan McNabb's wedding, you know, <laughs> and how great it was, because this was the peak of his you know, this is the peak of McNabb's powers. Right. You know, it was in Chicago at some fabulous place. I think there were horse-drawn carriages and everything there. <laughs> <laughs> and she was there because she was teammates of the of the girl he was marrying. Got it. Yeah. All right, my invite must have got lost in the mail. Yeah, as usual. What are you going to do? Yeah, well... I won't be expecting an invite for anything from Rob Conrad at this point. <laughs> Speak for yourself, man. He appreciates my honesty. <laughs> like you guys are right. I was trying to kill myself. <laughs> you guys figured me out. I got CTE, motherfucker. Thank you for shedding light on it. You guys yeah. aren't afraid to speak the truth. <laughs> um, 
Hey, listen, um, I wanted to uh, chat a little bit about uh, Oscars before we get out of yes. here. Yeah, we um, we're both big movie guys. I'm a go to the movie by myself. I'm a I think a movie's a good first date. I'm a you know what? I'm just in the movie with some popcorn. Let me go see a movie kind of guy. It is. Uh, you what? I said I don't even know what a date is. <laughs> um, I go to movies by myself all the time. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know, I think it's great. Um, I mean, I don't even think that the price of a movie is is all that extravagant. Yeah, it's not deterrent to me, but you know what? You know why it's not deterrent to me? Because I'm only paying for myself. Okay, yeah. No, no. Like, the thing is, my parents, I, and now I understand. I was like, well, yeah. When my mom was bringing four of us to the movies, you had to buy the tickets, you got to buy refreshments. That gets up into the freaking triple figures when you're dealing with five people, you know? Oh, 100%. I agree. It's yeah. I don't think it's a very good family outing. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as one person, that's cheap entertainment in my book. And, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily pay attention to the Oscars themselves once, you know, once the show, um, yeah. is being broadcast, but like, I do pay attention to see who gets nominated, you know, what, what uh, All right, we're going to talk Hollywood. You're talking about who gets noms, who knew who gets noms. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, did I see it or didn't I see it? Is it a, you know, is it a, is it yeah. a foreign language film? Uh, is it an art film? Like maybe I should, you know, try to check that out, expand my horizon. But um, the I'm looking at the Oscars on uh, Oscars.go.com, which yeah, I guess ABC owns the. Yeah, they broadcast the yeah, Oscars. So I guess yeah. that's that's the official site of the Oscars, and I've either the let's start with Best Picture. Most of these are major motion pictures. These are. I'll tell you what I've seen on here. So so let me tell you. Let me tell you what the uh, um, run What the uh, best picture nominees are, and you uh, tell me if you've seen it or not. American Sniper. Hated it. No, I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. I am gonna go see that because I have been wanting to see that because it looks cool. But it, I think it just made it into the theaters. Yeah, um, it opens yeah. Uh, around here tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't even know if it, it might have opened last weekend here. Okay. You know? and, and I'm 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 a big Bradley Cooper fan, um, and I'm a big Especially true story, military. I like Cooper drama, but I really like Eastwood, and he makes great movies. Clint. Okay, um, I agree on that. I think you're right. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily think that that will get uh, the nod for Best Picture. I think that there's been a couple of these movies that have come out already over the last couple of years, and I don't know. Maybe this story is way different. It's a true story about you know a pretty a uh, pretty complex character. Um, yeah. But, you know, there was the Zero Dark Thirty. There was the um, Last Man Standing. Was that the the Marky Mark uh, movie about the guy? They go out on the raid and the... Yeah, the, I never saw that the squad. one. That was, I mean, that was pretty decent. You yeah. know, it was good. I went to see that. Um, but... I know this this kind of falls in in line with that I think in terms of of you know recognition so okay uh, the imitation game haven't seen that 
uh, probably won't see it in the theater just because it seems like it might put me to sleep. I have no idea. It's an interesting story. I have no idea what it's about. It's about this guy, Alan Turin, who uh, developed the, uh, what's it called? Whatever, the system to, uh, to decode all the uh, German codes to World War II. Uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch? It's the... Uh, What's it called? The system. It's a it's a a synonym for for like puzzle. Enigma. <laughs> yeah, enigma. Enigma. <laughs> what um what's what's Benedict Cumberbatch from? He is on. What is it? Does he do the? I think he did the. Maybe it's the British Sherlock Holmes show. Oh, okay. All right. The BBC modern Sherlock Holmes, it might be. Got it. Uh, he also had a bit part in 12 Years a Slave. Uh, he had like a, a little part in that movie. Yeah, and no, I think I um I think I would know him from the from the BBC thing. No, I know, but I'm saying that's ever since that he he started getting, you know, more popular over here, putting him in stuff. But that's a British movie about a British person, so. All right. Um, Selma, which I was surprised to find out upon watching the trailer that it is not the biography of a um, Latin American pop singer. Or or uh, Selma Blair. <laughs> no, let's not make fun of that. Who, it's about uh, who, Martin Luther King. Yeah, it is about Martin Luther King, but who was the... What would, well, Jennifer Lopez was in the movie Selena. Selena. Yes. You can see where my confusion comes. Yeah, clearly. I mean, why wouldn't they remake Selena? <laughs> it's only been 22 years. Um, or however, year that movie came out. Well, 20 years, maybe? I don't know. When did Selena? It, whatever. Whenever Selena came out, that's what made J-Lo a star. Um, she was a nobody, and she got picked to make Selena, and she's a star now. So I... Um, so I watched the trailer, and a few things, um, a few things struck me. Uh, one, it, um, it's an Oprah Winfrey vehicle. Yes, so they she gets a, a lot of camera time when getting reaction in the audience. Yeah, and and I'm assuming she doesn't play a major character. No, but the the small bit part that she plays gets maximum exposure. Yeah, yeah, I saw that in the commercials. And the second, it has one of my favorite actors um, playing um, uh, uh, what appears to be a significant role is uh, Bunk Moreland from The Wire. Okay. Who is? I'm not a. I never watched The Wire. Um, it's a. Uh, it's, it's I know really, what the wires about. Really good show. Watched. Really good show. Yeah. Uh, Wendell Pierce. Is, Wendell Pierce, he's a New Orleans guy. Is the actor's uh, name. He is, oh, uh, Wendell Pierce is it. Yeah, he's a New Orleans guy. He's a big New Orleans guy. He, um, what else okay. was he in recently? I know who Wendell Pierce is. His character was Hunk, whatever you're saying. Uh, Bunk Moreland, yeah. Bunk Moreland, yes. Which is why, of course, he was on Treme, too, because that was a David Simon show. Yes, he was on Treme. But he is from here, which is another reason why he was on there, because it's like, screw it. David Simon's making it, and it's about people from here, so there you go. Um, so that looked good. Not only you know, is it, a, is it, a, is it a, obviously an interesting story, 
um, it looked it looked compelling. It looked like it was it, it had the right parts. Yeah, you yeah. Know, charismatic actors playing charismatic characters. Yeah, I mean, apparently that guy David Oyelowo, well, whatever. I believe he's British. The one that plays Martin Luther King. He's supposed to be a phenomenal actor. So. Yeah, um, he looked good. He yeah, good. although I heard he didn't get a nomination for best actor, so I heard that's a little controversial. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we can rip through those, but I'll tell you why it won't matter once we get there, anyway. Well, yeah, I know why it's not going to matter. Um, Birdman or the yes. unexpected virtue of ignorance. Now, this is I loved it. Now, I didn't see it, but um, I got to tell you, this is this has got to be uh, a sentimental front runner because. I mean, really, what's Michael Keaton done of note, you know, in the last 20 years? I know he, he hasn't disappeared. Easy, according to the CBS Sunday morning show when they did a profile on him like three months ago. What did, what, <laughs> what did they do on him? They did a profile on CBS Sunday morning about Michael Keaton. He lives out west, like in Montana, somewhere like that. Okay. So, you know, and he's like, yeah, well, I've just been taking it easy. Like, he... he he stepped away himself, you know? Okay. So, uh, I'm going to say this. We can start handicapping him, I guess. We probably should. I I think Michael Keaton's going to win the Oscar. I don't think Birdman's going to win for Best Picture. Okay. What I do think is going to win for Best Picture is... Well, should we go to the next one? Um, we have the Theory of Everything. That's the movie about Stephen Hawking. That would be interesting. Also another true story. So in this, we have one, two, three, four of the five movies that we have talked about are true stories. Um, one that I've seen, actually the first one on uh, on the list that I've seen, uh, is Boyhood. It's yes, a, that's the one I have gone to handicap as the favorite. I'll tell you what. I'm a Richard Linklater fan. Um, he did Dazed and Confused. Yes, um, he's also done a couple other things that have been really cool. Um, first movie he ever did was a movie called Slacker. S- yep. Similar type of, you know, kind of dazed and confused. What What's kind of the point? But it's entertaining. But, man, it's really got a deep point. He's done every movie that Ethan Hawke has been in in the past 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only movies Ethan Hawke has been in the past 20 years have been Richard Linklater films. The um, This is a movie I just saw the other day. Uh, I just watched it on demand um, last night or the night before, not even realizing that, that the Oscars were coming out or that we were going to have a conversation about the Oscars. And I'll be honest, like I thought it was great. And when I heard about the story uh, a couple months ago, uh, I saw an interview he was on, um, Linklater was on uh, The Daily Show. Yeah, I saw him when he was on The Daily Show. And I was like, man, that is a seriously interesting concept that yeah. for those who haven't heard about it or seen the movie, it's a it's a, it's a drama that is filmed uh, over the course of 15 years, right? 12 years? 12 years. 12, 12 years. years following the same characters. And it's, yeah, they took the kids, the kids out of the kids when they were like six years old, they started filming this movie. You know, and it ends with them in college. And it's a, it's like the definition of uh, of a character development piece. Like, yep. there's almost no action. And anytime you think that something crazy is going to happen in the movie, in, in terms of driving forward the plot, 
they just cut away from it, and then you know, there's no real development of of any action. You wrapped a hundred percent. The story is the story is it's unbelievable and it's a great story. But to be honest, when when it was over, I said this is going to get some Oscar buzz because I think it's a novel concept. Yeah, I mean it. It won the Golden Globe. I know, like in its category. But uh, which I guess was drama, or whatever. Because Golden Globe, you know, they break up. They got best musical or comedy as a category, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I saw it in the theater, and I mean, based on what I think about how they pick movies for the Academy Awards, I haven't even seen what the favorites are yet. But I'm sure, you know, it'll be competing with Birdman. But I think Boyhood's probably the favorite, just because of the whole concept of filming a movie over twelve years. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's totally it's valid. A, it's a great movie, but it's also just like a a great achievement, you know. Um, but I thought the kid was the best part of the movie. Now Ethan Hawke yeah. was awesome. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. But I think the kid was the best part of the movie, and he got no uh, he got no love. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I think I was kind of. I think he's the victim of being the kid in the movie, unfortunately. Which is too bad. Um, two real quick, two others, and and only because I've seen one of them: um, the Grand Budapest Hotel and I Whiplash. Seen that. that one, that won a Golden Globe. Uh, that was a big winner at the Golden Globe. The Grand Budapest. Yeah, I haven't seen that. You saw it? Yeah, I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan, and yeah. I um, went to see that at at a, a local independent uh, movie theater. Okay. Um, that was um, showing it like first run. The it usually doesn't show first run movies. It usually just does like um, independent films and and second runs. But this got like an opening night uh, showing, and um, and, and I went. You think about it? I loved it. I thought it was great. I like all his okay. movies. Um, you know, even like the lesser ones, like the uh, Deerling Express, which was um, which was a little I'm weak. Say this, I didn't see it. It did look interesting, and I would be open to see it. But a lot of Wes Anderson movies, you know, they kind of put me to sleep. Uh, uh, listen, they always have a monotonous tone to them. Often, you know, there's guy and I have a, a saying that there's two kinds of people in the world: uh, the people who get bare naked ladies, and people who don't get the bare naked ladies. That has since evolved in my mind to there's two types of people in the world the people that get the wes anderson movies and the people that don't like the i wes mean anderson like movies. i like royal tenenbaums yep you know and i, I mean the life aquatic steve zissel i watched that and that was fair enough but i don't know man to go in the theater and see some of these movies sometimes it seems like it could like the darjeeling limited or whatever that I mean, you say it is a lesser movie, and that, that movie did look boring to it, me. It was tedious. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely tedious. I mean, he's got good, quirky stuff, but sometimes it's just like Royal Tenenbaums I loved, but you could I could find myself falling asleep to that with that that monotone narr- narrative style, you know, where they got the, the voiceover. Yeah. No, no, I get it, man. I totally get it. <laughs> I totally get it. But I, I thought this was one of his better ones. Yeah. Well, this one seems to have a bit more action to it. Yeah, and I'm a big, um, I'm a big Ray Fiennes fan. I think he's 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 pretty good. I think he's underrated and underutilized. Ray, <laughs> what did I say? 
No, I'm saying Rafe. Oh, it always kills me. It's spelled Ralph, you know? It's Rafe, you know? Uh, and then Whip, Whiplash. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie about a drummer starring uh, Schillinger from uh, the yeah. TV show Oz. Yep, I heard that's... Uh, do you mean J.K. Simmons? J.K. Simmons, yeah. <laughs> I do love J.K. Simmons. He's great. He scares uh, me. He scares me. But the movie's supposed to be really good, right? I haven't seen it, but I... But uh, I remember when it came out, I just don't have a lot of time to go movies right now. That's the friggin' problem. Yeah. You know, I used to, you know, Tom was, I'd be going to check all these movies out. It's just now I'm not getting there too often, you know? So I've seen, what, one, two, two of these damn movies on this list? You know, I'll go see American Sniper soon. Yeah. I actually. And then they're re releasing these movies. Some of them. You know, Whiplash might have been here for like a week, even. You know, because it's such a it was such a small, you know, typical, you know, Oscar bait type of movie. Right. But last year I saw Dallas Buyers Club. You know, I only saw it once it was nominated because it had to be re-released. You know, it was such a small movie. Right. You know, and that was a good movie. You know, yeah. so so I'll try to check some of these things out. I'm not going to go see them all. Because, you know, I don't really, I'm not going to go to the theater see imitation. Maybe I will, because I just signed up for this movie pass thing. They give you a two-week free trial. And after that, it's like $30 a month. And you can go see as many movies as you want, as often as you want. Oh, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it's, it's based, it's model, which I might become one of the people they're depending on, possibly, is like the gym membership model. Right. Where memberships are relatively cheap because you're basing it on so many people joining they're never going to use them <laughs> right know? right right all right well let's go on to the next category you want to do actors uh, in a leading role all right um first, first is steve carell in fox catcher which okay. I've have not seen this movie, but I've well, I, but I want to. I've done everything but see the movie. I've seen every trailer. I've seen the documentaries on John Dupont. I've seen like commentary, and um, from all accounts, this is a, an awesome portrayal of an absolutely wacky dude. Yeah, and I remember when all that shit happened. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that? I mean, yeah, you must remember. Yeah, that. it's right down here in my backyard. Yeah. Exactly. I want to see that, but I mean, they had the friggin' poster in the theater friggin' five months ago, but it's such a small movie, you know, like, unless you're like in New York or Boston, LA, you don't get these movies right away. Yeah. It's playing. I'm still waiting for them to show it. They might be showing it at some places around here, but, you know. They, um, they're showing it in one theater like a half an hour away. Okay. And I don't even have a gift card for it, so I haven't gone to see it yet. <laughs> um, also on the list, um, Bradley Cooper for American Sniper. Yep. Uh, Benedict, he looks great in that. Benedict Cumberbatch and Michael Keaton from Birdman. And Eddie Redmayne for The Theory of Everything, playing Stephen Hawking. Who, I, you know, I, I think there's some type of rule, you know, like rule of thumb, like you don't win an Academy Award by playing you know, uh, a biographical or a, you know, a historical figure or something like that. But this dude's got to win. I haven't seen his performance. I haven't seen his movie. Uh, Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Um, doing Stephen Hawking. 
is is got to be. It's got all the. It's got all the. Yeah, components. but I think this is Michael Keaton's year. I, see, I'm hoping, but I don't. Especially with the, with the ice bucket challenge and the ALS and the whole deal, I, I don't see how he cannot win. Well, I mean. Birdman, I think that's gonna win. I mean, I think Mike T is gonna win. Did you see Birdman? Did no, no, go? not yet. I want to, and I gotta you go and see it. Then you'll probably change your mind. Okay. Well, listen, go and see it for one. It's a very dark comedy. Like I was laughing doing it. You know, right? Like it's a, it's a really, it's a really good movie. Uh, I don't know if he got. Okay, good. All right, I was checking to see supporting actors. All right. Well, okay. I do understand why you think Eddie Redmayne might have a chance, and he may. Don't get me wrong. I just think Th- it might be Michael Keaton's year. Don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for Michael Keaton. And if Michael Keaton doesn't win, I'd want to see Steve, Steve Carell win. Yeah. But this I- is why I think Michael Keaton can win. All the factors. A, you know, he's an actor who's been around for 30 something years now. You know, mm-hmm. other thing, he kind of, you know, went off the radar. And now he comes back in this small role, and then it also involves, you know, it involves acting, involves movies, it involves all of it, you know, the, the role he's playing. You right. know, it's got, it's kind of like a mix of, you know, it's like a perfect storm of reasons why, you know, Michael Keaton, why I could see him winning it, you know? Right. Like, you know, the Oscars love movies about movies, you know? Yeah, you know, fair enough. Fair enough, and I and I hope he does. I hope he does win. And the movie is a movie about a movie star making a play. <laughs> um, brings us to actress in a leading role. Yes. Now I haven't seen uh, any of these, but these are all pretty big. These these pretty big stars. Um, Marion Cot Cotillard. Cotillard. She's Co- French. Cotillard in two days, one night. I don't know, even know what that is. She was in Inception, Marion. She was. Oh, oh, did was she play the intern girl? No, the intern girl was was Inception. Paige, what? Oh, she was the wife. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. All right. Okay, she's cool. Yeah. Um, but I did not see two days, one night. I have no idea. Felicity Jones. I haven't seen Theory of Everything, of course. Is Felicity Jones from um the? The the shit pie movie. What movie? The shit pie movie. American Pie. No 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 no. The pie with the shit. She takes a shit and makes the pie. What movie is that? Um, it's got the the redhead chick that everybody loves, Jessica Chastain. Um, Octavia Spencer's in it. She makes the the help. The help. Yes. Oh, is Felicity Jones in that? Yep, she is. I mean, she plays friggin' Stephen Hawkins' wife or whatever, I believe, right? In in the theory of everything, but I'm trying yeah. to figure out yeah. what, what I know. I never her from. saw the help. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, we can solve this very quickly. Let me see. Uh, let's see what Felicity Jones has on IMDb. Yeah. Um, okay. Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, we got to go further than that. Meadowlands, Flashback of a Fool, Doctor Who, The Diary of Anne Frank, 
The Tempest, Like Crazy, Chalet Girl, Albatross, Hysteria, Breathe In, Haven't We Met Before, The Invisible Woman, Girls, Salting the Battlefield, The Theory of, uh, theory of Everything. What? What? Where do we... What has she been in then? I don't know. It's all filmography. Uh, maybe she had something TV show beforehand. No, that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I thought she was super famous. I don't know. Like crazy? Maybe that was her big movie. Like I'm just going to check out who was in The Help. All right. I mean, Emma Stone was in it. I really don't get her appeal so much. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, Jessica Chastain, Anna O'Reilly, Alice Janey, Anna Camp, Eleanor Henry. No word on your girl. All right. Well, Felicity Jones. There we go. Um, Julianne Moore, who I'm a pretty um, pretty big fan of. I think she's pretty foxy for for an old lady. For an old lady. Um, that's the movie where I think she's getting Alzheimer's or something. I saw her on oh, yeah, still maybe Alice. Letterman or something last week. Oh, talking. well, there you go. She's going to win. I feel like there's certain characters that you play yeah. that always win. Mentally yeah, challenged I'm, people, the, the, yep. the Jodie Foster Nell rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's, that's a no-brainer. But Reese Witherspoon in, in Wild, which I heard was pretty awesome. That's based on the friggin' memoir from a girl that went to Syracuse. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Yep, huh. it's a Syracuse graduate. That another. That, tr- it's her memoir. All right, I have to check that out. But another true story. Yep. A- and finally, um, a movie I saw just last night: uh, Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl. Gone Girl's good, right? Yeah. Well. It, apparently, if you read the book, and, and and I know this is a cliche, but apparently, if you read the book, like the movie doesn't even cover, you know, a fraction of yeah. of the intensity that was felt in the book. Yeah, it, for but the, then most, the problem is you have to read the book, right? For the most part, <laughs> I guess it covered the storylines. Yeah, but watching the movie, I thought that her performance was oscar worthy because she essentially plays three different characters because they like do flashbacks and stuff right? yeah so she plays yeah. a normal girl she plays a you know a victim and she plays a crazy person and and like um it, it was like oh wow man she's making me believe that a little bit too much because she as i'm as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, man, she actually is reminding me of somebody, um, of somebody that I know, and she kind of looks like her. I'm, uh, well, I'm not gonna say who it is, but I'm gonna. I just sent you a a, a text message. Okay. That's that's who she kind of looks like, and we've talked about this chick before, and and I've got a a pretty close attachment or or or. Uh, uh, history with this chick, um, not named Ange and not named Jody Skolnick, um, but like I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. This could have happened to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I wasn't. I mean, I don't know if how close I was, but I wasn't too far from crazy. Um, yeah, she plays a really, really good character. Um, at so much so, like 
like you love her, you think she's hot, to she's revolting and you know you would want to kill her. So um, I don't know. She she might get some love, but um, I I think the Julianne Moore um, that formula is probably uh, is probably a winning formula. Yeah, I mean, I never knew you felt that way about Carla. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actor Man, in a, too happy with that. <laughs> uh, actor in a supporting role. Um, Robert Duvall gets a nod. For, the judge. Uh, I did want to see that. Never made it. It was in out of the theaters like in two weeks. Uh, Ethan Hawke. We talked a little bit about yes. who was really awesome. He was really good. He I, was very good in that movie. I, I think like coming out of the movie, I I was like. You know what? He probably gets an Oscar nod because yeah, he uh, he was really good and, and believable and and pretty complex. Yeah, uh, Edward Norton, who's a favorite of yes, uh, that's what I can say. I wanted to see if he got a nod in that because he was he was he was really good in Birdman. He kind of plays this, you know, he plays an actual Broadway actor, you know. So he, and he's a real like crazy dick, and of course. <laughs> Now Keaton's character is a guy who was a, you know, he was a comic book movie hero, you know. So like Edward Norton has very little respect for him. Right, right. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of friggin' action between the two of them, you know. Um, J.K. Simmons, the aforementioned J.K. Simmons. Yes. Uh, yep. In Whiplash, and who I think is going to be the winner, just based on uh, on some of the buzz surrounding his performance, uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yes, of the Ruffalo Rills. Of the of the Ruffalo Rills. Nice, good job yeah. there. I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, Mark which... Ruffalo, who uh, I appreciate him more when he's playing the Hulk. <laughs> um, actress in supporting role. Patricia Arquette. Couple, uh, couple, yeah, couple weird names in here. Unusual uh, to see the likes of Patricia Arquette. Yep. Um, who I didn't think was that awesome in Boyhood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it was her haircuts, which were a little distracting. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, for the most part, you know, I thought she was like a little whatever. Um, Laura Dern. Who I'm kind of a fan of. Yeah, she plays the character Reese Witherspoon's mother in that movie. Oh, interesting. Which is crazy, the idea that Laura Dern's now playing the mother of people who are people our age, basically. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> right. Reese Witherspoon's the same age as me. You know? <laughs> um, okay, so this must be a British movie um, needing a... Uh, somewhat whiny British chick to play the uh, supporting role, uh, the imitation games, Kira Knightley. Yes, she plays one of the fellow code breakers. Yeah, Kira Knightley's, she, I don't know, she's a little annoying if you ask me. Of course, Meryl Streep gets a nomination because she always gets a nomination for anything. And Emma Stone. Yeah, Emma Stone, she was good in that, but Emma Stone bothers me. See, I like Emma Stone, but I get why she bothers you. you I know. Just, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, a, I don't really find her too hot. And everybody's like, oh. And then she talks with a lisp. The husky, right? The husky, the the pouty mouth, underbite, husky voice, lisp, um, can only take you so far. 
Yes. I mean, and a lot of her stuff always seems to just be attitude. Right. You know? Right, right, right. And it's like, that's going to wear out sometime soon unless, like, you know, even in friggin' that movie, she's got attitude. You know, it seems, I don't know. She always seems to be playing the same fucking person. So I think at this point, I think Meryl Streep doesn't win Academy Awards because she's just won so many. Yeah. But, like, I mean, who else? If not her, who? You know? Laura Dern. That's it? That's the nod there? Laura Dern? I'm just throwing that out there. She's got what Hollywood likes. She comes from from an acting family. You know, Bruce Dern and the lady's name, her mother. Diane Ladd, is that her mom? No, maybe. What's her mother's name? I'm not sure. But, you know, she comes from Hollywood family. You know, that's... And now it's like, well, where the hell's Laura Dern been for 20 years? Oh, well, let's give her an Oscar. Okay, I buy that. You know the way the Academy works. Yeah. You know, so that's why I'm going to go out on the go out on the ledge and just say Laura Dern. Okay, I um I buy that. The only Look here, I'm reading Washington Post. They got a little assessment under each one. Their immediate reaction. They have immediate reaction to each category. When when Dern's name was announced, there was there were audible gasps, not to mention a few excite whoops. She played the effervescent mother to Reese Witherspoon's lead in Wild. It was a great performance, though Patricia Arquette is the clear favorite. So oh, I'm wow. going to see Laura Dern now. Okay, so if you're going to give Laura Dern the Michael Keaton treatment, I, I don't think Michael Keaton gets the nod. No, I think Michael Keaton still gets the nod. You, you, which means, which means, I guess Michael Keaton, if he gets, if he wins. Patricia Arquette gets the supporting actor. Right. Okay. So here's what we can both agree on is that is that Michael Keaton and Laura Dern will not win Oscars in the same year. This year. Yeah, possibly not. But I think I don't think they can give it to anybody other than Michael Keaton, just because of the constant buzz from the time before Birdman came out to the buzz that keeps gone. I didn't even watch the Golden Globes, but I did see clips the next day. You know, he won the best actor there, and he gave some great speech thanking his son. You know, like it's just every, it just seems to be everything's, you know, leading towards Michael Keaton. You know, all right. So, so to recap, I think we're we're both gonna uh, we're both gonna go uh, and throw our money behind Boyhood for Best yep. Picture. You're going to go with Michael Keaton. I'm going to go with Eddie Redmayne. Okay. In The Theory of Everything. Best Actress. Um, I think we both are uh, going to go with Julianne Moore. Yeah, that seems reasonable to me because that's a story they, you know, like a young woman who starts getting Alzheimer's. And apparently she's, and apparently it's a really good movie. All right. Uh, actor in a supporting role. Ethan Hawke. All right. I'm going to go with Mark Ruffalo. Okay. I'm going to say Ethan Hawke because Boyhood has the making of one of those movies that's just going to pile up awards. Yeah, okay. Listen, I, I would I would hope so. Um, yeah. I'd hope so because I think uh, he was awesome in it. And you know what? Listen, I'm going to go with Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I'm going to go with Ethan Hawke because I think you're right. And then uh, actress, um, I'm going to go with Laura Dern because I think she is going to get the Michael Keaton effect. Yeah. And, and as are you. And she is only nine years older than us, although she is playing Reese Witherspoon's mom. Nine years older than me. She was born in 1967. Uh, 67? 
So that's uh, yeah, Diane Ladd. That's her mother. All right, um, and then I, I think that uh, the Big Hero Six is uh, is the leader in the clubhouse oh, for, for the an animated feature film. Uh, I don't know about that. What about Lego Movie? Not nominated. Lego not in there. Nope. Lego Movie director. I can't believe they got snubbed. Big I'm Hero just, Six. Well, Big Hero Six is definitely winning it then. The Box Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon Two, Song of the Sea, which I don't know, looks like that might uh, be some kind of artsy. Yeah, it uh, hasn't been released yet. And the Tale of the Princess, uh, Kagaya, but Big Hero Six. Yeah, yeah, that's that'll probably win. Of course, what is the Tale of the Princess? Kaguya. It must be a Japanese one, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a film by Aseo Takahoto. All right. There you go. So. Uh, directing. You want to do that next? Um, yeah. Just on the, the the way it's set up on the thing I'm looking at. Yeah. So um, best directing. Uh, it's got Birdman. Now, a lot of times this is, this is uh, a carbon copy of best film, but... This is also the place where they um, they kind of get a little political and will either reward or punish a particular director. Well, they'll also like to split it. Like, what was it? Was it Quentin Tarantino? Did he get Best Director? And then they gave 12 Years a Slave Best Picture, even though it was a great movie, but it probably shouldn't have got Best Picture, but for political reasons, you know. I, I know it was a big deal with uh, with Affleck. Um, he got like Argo got best film, but he didn't even get nominated for best director or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Birdman, um, Alejandro Iñárritu. Yep. Uh, Boyhood, Richard Linklater. Uh, Foxcatcher by Bennett Miller. What did uh, Bennett Miller? What is he famous for? Uh, Foxcatcher. No, <laughs> I know he's done other stuff, but I'm just not sure. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna do my do my IMDb in here. Okay, not much, but he did do did Moneyball, um, Moneyball, yeah, and Capote. Yes. So he's um, he doesn't have a prolific career, but um, yes. it's but Moneyball is the real solid. big one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, Wes Anderson, uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yep. And then uh, Morton Tildum, The Imitation Game. I think this is Richard Linklater's. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to predict he wins this. So you think this is this is just a, another example of boyhood just rolling. Yeah, well cuz they're going to want to give people awards for the achievement. And the fact that the guy spent 12 years making this movie, I think huh. it's the award because of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I also uh, think it probably takes home something like film editing. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, then they start giving in all those, yeah, all those technical categories, yeah. Right, right, all right. Yeah. Um, one I like to uh, keep track on is uh, is the documentaries, both the documentary features and documentary shorts. And there's um, that independent movie theater in Asbury has um, like a post-Oscar... Um, run of the short subject documentary. So like, uh, yeah, yeah, they got a theater around here that does that too, where they do all the shorts. 
Yeah, and and I went and saw some last year, which was really cool. Um, so I don't know what any of these are: Crisis Hotline, Joanna, Our Curse, The Reaper, White Earth. But I'll definitely check them out. I think they're uh, they're definitely pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, it does not look like um, the U two <laughs> the has made thirty. The, the 30 for 30, the U2, yeah. has made, uh, did not make the cut for documentary feature, which I think is um, is, um, is, a, is criminal, but what can yeah. you do? What can you do? Yeah. Um, all right, so that's it, man. We'll, um, we'll have to keep track and, uh, and see how we did. When are the Oscars? Are they sometime in February? Is it February or March? It used Fe- to February. They used to be March back in the old days, but I think they run up against the NCAA tournament too much. <laughs> uh, February 22nd. Okay. February 22nd. All right. Yeah, they used to be in March back in the day. But I, I'm sure that had something to do with it was fighting for airtime and all that stuff. Um, geez, man, I'll tell you what. We uh, we packed a punch here. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll cut this up into uh, into two episodes. We're, we're about... Uh, about an hour and a half deep. Oh, last year they were in March. They were? Yeah, last year was March 2nd. Well, I think um, the Grammys are sometime around the end of February. Yeah, I mean, uh, wait, is this, yeah. That That's what it was last year, was where gravity... It was Gravity and 12 Years of Slave. 12 Years of Slave got Best Picture. 12 Years of Gravity got most awards. I know there was a conflict. Like People were like, well, this really shouldn't get it, but you know, it's because of the story. It's historical importance, you know? Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, there's always issues with that. But what about the year before when... Um, with uh, when Django Unchained was out, I'll tell you what, man. I I saw that recently for the first time. Yeah, that's, that's one of the the five best movies I've ever seen. Django Unchained. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. You know what? I I try to whenever Quentin Tarantino comes out with a with a movie, I try to see it in the theater. You know, because his movies are specifically made to be seen in the theater. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did you see Inglorious Bastards? Um, I did see Inglorious Bastards, and I did see it in the theater. Yeah, like, I mean, you remember, like, how rich the colors are and everything. You know, like the, it, like the cinematography, the guy that does his, I think his original guy might have died. But he's, it's always phenomenal, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, like in Django Unchained, he's doing it like, you know, he calls it, I think he called it like a, a spaghetti Southern, basically, you know, it's done, you know, it's a Southern story, but he's doing it like in the classic spaghetti Western style. Right. You know, it's like when the beginning opens, you know, and they're showing like the, uh, the opening credits and it's this huge expanse. It's just, you know, seeing it on a movie screen, like it gives you a real appreciation for, for the crap he's doing, you know? Yeah. 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 No doubt. Um, I mean, I don't know if we have anything else to cover. 
what, what have I done? Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I just wanted to throw this in here. Sure. So I had my Christmas tree. Well, as you know, January 6th is technically the 12th day of Christmas, the yes. Epiphany. The, the Epiphany. Yeah. Uh, but that's also technically the beginning of Mardi Gras season. So some people do it down here, and then I said, screw it, I'll do it. I turned my Christmas tree, kept the lights on it, took all the ornaments, threw a bunch of beads and other stuff on it, and transitioned seamlessly into a Mardi Gras tree. Nice. So it'll be up through uh, the third week of February. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. What, um, when is, um... That's the third week of February is... Um... Well, February 17th is technically Mardi Gras itself. So that's when it all ends, you know? Okay. So uh, Ash Wednesday is the 18th. You know, it's all it's all done on Tuesday. Right. You know, but I think the first parade, like, they got Crew de Vue, which is like their reverent downtown parade. That's on January 31st. And then, you know, it starts leaning out. And then you have all the parades for the next couple of weeks. And then ends <laughs> 17th. Yeah, last year we um, we um, you gave me a a, a pretty good uh, indoctrination into the into the Mardi Gras calendar. Yeah, I can't believe that uh, that was one year ago already. Yep. All right. Well, you got to uh, keep us apprised of the uh, of the social gatherings and the coconuts and the. Yeah, I got a bunch of coconuts in the tree. And the festivities that you got going on. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you know. All right, like, good you know, stuff, hopefully man. I'll have something going on because I'm kind of a loser at this point. <laughs> I'm hey, a loser, a rebel, Pee Wee. Don't, don't sell yourself short. You're a tremendous loser, Liv. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, brother. On that note. You're a tremendous slouch. We will, uh, with apologies to Gersh, brother. Good night, Fredo. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>